This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Sickness and disease has no power over you. The devil has no power over you. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now turn back with me to Romans chapter 8. Let's see if we can put that verse of Scripture or those two verses of Scripture back in context. Romans chapter 8, we start reading in verse 29 before. Let's back up a few verses. Verse 22 says that the whole creation, meaning the earth, groaneth and travailing in pain and, uh, together until now. Verse 23 says, and not only the creation, the earth itself, that's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, but we ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting to be, for the adoption, which is the redemption of our body. Then verse 26 says, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities or weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. So the, the concept <clears throat> or the thing that ties all these scriptures together is that man is in a fallen state. Mankind is in a fallen state, just like the earth is in a fallen state. Now, for us that are born again, the only result of that fallen state is the sin that's in our flesh. And we groan within ourselves, waiting for the good news that we've been told about a redeemed body and our presence in heaven with the Father. We search for that. We look for that just like the earth does too. The earth is groaning and travailing. I don't know but what some of the natural disasters and tragedies and hurricanes and earthquakes and stuff like that are a result of the earth, uh, the earth groaning and travailing. We know everything can't be completely under the devil's power. Because if the devil controlled earthquakes and hurricanes, he'd just make it, uh, there to be a constant hurricane or a constant earthquake and just kill everybody at once. Well, he can't do that. So it could be, and I don't claim to have all the answers, but it could be that some of the natural disasters we see is just a result of the fallen state, the law of sin and death that's at work in this earth. So the Bible says that the earth is waiting for the redemption of our bodies. We're waiting for the redemption of our bodies. And then he says, likewise, in the same way, the Holy Spirit helps our infirmities. Now, he's talking about weakness, but does he mean general weakness or does he describe the weakness that he's referring to? Well, he, get, he tells us what it is. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. What infirmity? For we know not what to pray for as we ought. Well, when we don't know what to pray for as we ought, the Holy Ghost helps us by giving us utterance in other tongues. That's what groanings mean. It means something that comes from your, your heart, your spirit, in inarticulate speech. Words that we don't understand, but are given by the Holy Ghost. And we know that we're praying the will of God because the Holy Ghost always leads us according to the will of God. He would always lead us to giving us utterance according to the will of God. And God hears and knows what we're saying when we pray in other tongues. So what do we know? We know there are times 
maybe the majority of times, where we know to pray for things, but we don't know how to pray for them as we ought. But there are other times where we know what to pray for and how to pray as we ought to. So if we use the Holy Ghost's help to pray in other tongues about things that we don't know how to pray for as we ought, and then we use the Word of God that directs us in some cases, in some areas, to pray about things as we know we should or with a full understanding, then what's the end, the end result of that? Well, it's saying if you let the Holy Ghost help you to pray when you don't know what to pray for as you ought, and when you pray according to the Word of God when you do know what to pray for as you ought, that all things work together for good. He's saying here's the path to victory. The path to victory is pray what you know to pray about the things that you know to pray for, and then let the Holy Ghost help you to pray for other things that you don't know how to pray for as you ought. And that brings us to the place where all things work together for good. Victory. Victory. Either by the Holy Ghost or by your knowledge of the Word, it brings us to victory. We know according to His purpose. Now, verse 29, let me read that to you again. The word for is the word because. It's connecting what he's just said to what he's about to say. So we could say because or therefore whom God did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. The image of his son that he's talking about is the place of victory that Jesus enjoyed while he was here on the earth. He's telling us that through prayer, we can have the victory, whether it's praying about something we don't know how to pray for as we ought or it's praying about something where we do know what to pray for as we ought. If we pray according to the means and the measures that God has provided to us, then it brings us into victory. It brings us to the place where all things work together for our good. See, God doesn't let you down because you don't know how to pray for something as you ought to. And he certainly doesn't let you down when you know to pray the word for something. You know the ins and outs of what you need to pray about. Well, both of those are predominant in our lives, aren't they? I mean, when it comes to prayer, you either know what to pray for as you ought or you don't. If you know what to pray for as you ought through the Word of God, that's all you need. You don't need the Holy Ghost to help you to pray in tongues about that. But the things where you don't know what to pray for as you ought, the Holy Ghost is there with utterance in other tongues to help us in that situation to pray the will of God. And the end result is all things work together for our good. And folks, look at how miles apart that is from what most of the church talks about. All things work together for our good, meaning tragedy and destruction. Well, some terrible thing has come into my life. Don't worry, brother. All things work together for good. Well, how stupid can you get? Jesus didn't go around in his earthly ministry and look at people that were demon-possessed and say, well, you know, all things work together for good. <laughs> he didn't come to the leper and say, well... Bless your heart, all things work together for good. No, he changed those situations. He cast out those devils. He healed those lepers. And it's interesting also when you realize that Jesus never stopped and had to pray in tongues, which wasn't available at that time. Jesus didn't have to stop and pray in tongues or pray in, in the language that he understood, the Greek language or whatever it was. He didn't have to stop and pray about anything to find out what God's will was. He knew that it was always God's will to heal. 
Jesus didn't deliver authority over sickness and disease to the 12 or to the 70 and said, now this will work in some cases, but there are others that it's God's will for people to be sick. He gave them authority over sickness and disease. Furthermore, if any sickness or any disease was ever given by God, then Jesus healing sickness and disease and delivering the power of authority to the 12 and to the 70 over sickness and disease means he's working contrary to the will and the purpose of God, which makes him a sinner, which makes his sacrifice unworthy. Most Christians never get to those steps where they understand what the will of God is in their life and for everybody. Doesn't mean everybody has to believe it, but it can't be refuted. So Jesus, knowing that the authority over sickness and disease was consistent, always consistent with the plan and the purpose of God, gave that authority to his disciples into the 70. And their lives were transformed. They became conduits for the power of God here on the earth. Now remember, the people had to receive it. They couldn't just go in and start doing miracles in and of themselves any more than Jesus did. They still, the, city, the people of the city still had to receive it. But they simply preached that the kingdom of God was near. Imagine what that looked like. They'd go into cities that Jesus hadn't been to yet, and, and they'd say, let me heal the sick that are here because the kingdom of God is near. Let me cleanse the, the lepers. Always, almost had them cleansing the dead and raising the, the lepers. They didn't go to town and say, let me heal the sick here. Let me raise the lepers. Bring them back to health. Let me raise the dead because the kingdom of heaven is here. It's near to us. All they had to do was receive. All the people had to do was receive. All they had to do was say something like, really? Man, cool. Go ahead. They weren't required to believe in Jesus. They weren't required to know the plan of God for the end times. They were simply required to believe that the kingdom of God was near. Well, folks, if those kind of results, where the devils are subject to them in their name and every sickness and every disease was healed and so forth, they used the power that God had given, that Jesus had given to them, and the authority that goes along with it. If those are the results they got, what kind of results do you think we should be getting with a better covenant established upon better promises? Does, does it not seem reasonable to at least say we ought to be getting some better results than they did? Folks, Jesus is the healer. He was the healer when he was here on the earth. He's the healer now because he took his stripes upon him to pay the price for sickness and disease. And it's that simple truth, that simple truth and the presence of the Holy Ghost within us that causes us to be conformed to the image of his son. Join us for our Christmas Eve candlelight service with Pastor Mike Webb. Christmas is a special time here at Foothill Family Church. We wanted to take this time to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for our special Christmas Eve celebration where we celebrate the birth and the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We hope you can join us this Christmas. Again, that's the Christmas Eve candlelight service at 6 p.m. December 24th at Foothill Family Church. 
For more information, go to www.mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, let me just start in verse 6. Paul writing to the church says, concerning God, who also made us able ministers of the New Testament, or New Covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if, literally since, the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, he's talking about the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments. He says, if the ministry of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministry of the Spirit be rather glorious? He's talking about the better aspects of the new covenant than the old how shall the ministry of the spirit be how shall not the ministry of the spirit be rather glorious for if the ministration of condemnation be glory much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory for even that which was made glorious in the old testament had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth he's simply saying the law of God that was given through the Ten Commandments didn't have the blood of Jesus to back it up. And if it produced glory, how much more should the glory of the New Testament written in our hearts by the blood of Jesus in his sacrifice, how shall that not be greater glory? Seeing then we have such hope we use great plainness of speech. Notice that phrase, great plainness of speech. That goes back to the proclamation of the gospel. That goes back to the proclaiming of what Jesus has done rather than the explaining and trying to persuade people to believe it. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which is done away in Christ. He's talking about the Jews have always had this problem, still have this problem. They're looking to the Old Testament, the covenant promises of the Old Testament, and missing the better covenant of the New, new Testament or the new covenant we have in Jesus. But even as until this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I think we could also, from the things he's just said, identify that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's glory. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass or a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the spirit of the Lord. I want to go back to Romans chapter 8 and read these scriptures again. Picking up in verse 29. After we know that all things work together for our good, whether we're praying according to our understanding or praying by the help of the Holy Ghost, for whom, or therefore, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Well, now that we've talked about what being conformed to the image of his Son means a little bit, that has greater meaning to us. God has from the beginning predetermined, predestined, 
that you and I would be conformed, just like the 12 were conformed, just like the, the 70 were conformed, conformed to the image of his son through the authority that's been given unto us to walk in victory in every aspect of our lives. See, being conformed to the image of his son just doesn't mean, well, we're nice people and we love everybody and we forgive and all those are good things, necessary things as a part of our Christian walk. But that's not what he's talking about. He's not just talking about a change of character. He's not just talking about the fruit of the spirit on the inside of us. He's talking about being conformed to the image of his son. Well, Jesus was everything when it came to character and right character and right works and so forth. But if we're going to be conformed to his image, that means we're going to have to exercise his authority over sickness and disease too. Can't have one without the other. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son. Who's predestined to be conformed to that image? Everybody on the earth. Is everybody on the earth going to do it? No. Whether we do or not depends first and foremost on whether or not we accept Jesus. But then it goes even further than that. We're going to have to choose to learn of him. We're going to have to choose to take hold of the things that he said was ours. What good would it have done the 70 or the 12 to be given freely the power over sickness and disease or authority over sickness and disease if they didn't use it? I think one reason Jesus sent the 70 out two by two is so that there'd be somebody that they'd have to be accountable to. Because as it is, he sent us into the same world. And most of the church just sits back waiting for the rest of the church to do the job. For whom he did foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified, made righteous. And those whom he justified or made righteous, them he also glorified. It's time we proclaim that the glory of God is in us too. It's time to proclaim that we have authority over sickness and disease. It's time to proclaim that we have authority over every work of the devil and nothing shall by any means hurt us. And it's time to proclaim that the glory of the Lord is in us. Now, if we accept that to be true, and it has to be, if we accept that to be true, then when we look at scriptures that speak to the end times about the glory of the Lord being greater in the latter days of the church than it was in the former days of the church, when we look to scriptures that tell us to pray for the rain, which is the glory of God, so that the precious fruit of the earth can come forth, the end time harvest can come forth, where is that Holy Ghost going to move? Well, he's going to start in the place that he's been sent, and that's in us. It's going to start from the place that he lives, and that's in us. It's going to start from the church that learns of Jesus and has been conformed to the image of his son, God's son, Jesus. It has to start with us. It has to start with us. I think for too long we've been waiting for something to come down from heaven, and something's already come down from heaven. I think too many times we're looking for God to initiate some kind of move, thinking it's going to be apart from 
or separate from this body, which the Bible says is indwelt by the Holy Ghost. If we look at it like this, if we recognize that Jesus said after his resurrection, all authority is given, to me in, given unto me in heaven and in earth, but realize that the authority here on the earth was given to man. Now, I'm going to say something that might be hard for people, some people to, to accept. But where Jesus said he's been given authority on the earth, he can't exercise that authority here because he's not a human being. He's not still here. See, the Bible says that man was given authority on the earth. The thing that qualifies man for exercising that authority on the earth is his human body. See, when you lose your human body, you have to leave the earth. Are you listening to me? When you lose your body, your spirit departs from the earth. You can't stay here any longer. It is the body that gives you a place of authority here on the earth. It is your body that enables you to be here and to remain here. I think too often the church is fighting against their body without realizing or recognizing my body is the only thing that I have to work with. Now, sure, we need to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Sure, we need to renew our minds to the word. But it's still your body that leads you, lets you or gives you opportunity to do anything here on the earth, whether it's good or bad. Well, Jesus doesn't have the body that works on the earth anymore. That's why he calls the church his body. If God is going to exercise authority through Jesus or by Jesus in any way whatsoever, and remember, Jesus is the one that said he'll build his church. If he's going to do that, he's got to use somebody with human flesh because he doesn't have that anymore. He's got to use somebody that doesn't have a redeemed body. That means he's got to use somebody who struggles with their flesh, still in this conflict or in the struggle between their flesh and their spirit. As Paul described, doing things with their body that their, their spirit resents. See, we look at our, the imperfections of our body as a hindrance. But it's the imperfections in your body that qualify you to be a, the work of Jesus here on the earth or do the work of Jesus here on the earth. It's your human body that enables you to do the same works that Jesus did and even greater works, as he said in John 14. It's your human body that gives God the opportunity to defeat the devil on his own territory. Now think about what that looks like to God. God's mortal enemy, the devil, who stole his greatest creation, man, has led mankind into spiritual death in ways that the devil himself probably didn't realize would come forth or take place. But through the work of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, God gets to rub the devil's nose into every evil thing and wrong thing that he's done by using these imperfect vessels, these vessels that are subject to the law of sin and death by virtue of Adam and Eve's sin. He gets to empower us to exercise authority over the devil and put him to shame. To emphasize every day of our lives that Jesus spoiled principalities and powers and made an open show of them. He gets to use what the devil thought he had in his pocket 
as the instrument of God's power in the earth to set people free and to enjoy the victory that Jesus had here on the earth. God predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. Just as much as he predestined that Adam would be born in the image and likeness of him. You're predestined to be God here on the earth. You're predestined through doing the works of Jesus to reveal God's plan, his goodness, and his power here on the earth. Now, not in some sweet day when Jesus comes back and we all get to go to heaven, but now. You're the only instrument God has to work in this earth. When we realize that the Bible says that we, the church, are the only thing holding back the Antichrist. We're the only thing holding him back. We're the only thing holding him back. Now that's talking about the church world at large. That means with all the infighting in the church, with all the backsliding in the church, means with all the, the problems and conflicts between one denomination and another, with all the conflicts that we have in not presenting our own bodies to living sacrifice and renewing our mind to the word, with all those things in place, we're still powerful enough to keep the devil from doing his finest work. Just by being here. Not because we're exercising some kind of power. Not because we've learned to pray the right way. Not because the majority of the church world is on fire for God or even understands the salvation that they have. Just because we're here. Just because we're here. Well, if the church can have that big of an impact on the earth just by being here, how much impact should you have on the work of the devil when you go from place to place. See, it's not the number of us that's here that withholds the devil from uh, raising up the Antichrist. It's not the number of us that's here. It's the fact that we're just here. See, whether the number of Christians in the earth is 200 million or 200,000 or 20, it's because we're here. Just because we're here. We ought to go new places or go out every day from our homes and realize that wherever we go, we should be saying, at least on the inside of us, devil, we're here. Whatever you had plans for, not going to work because we're here. That reminds me of the Acts 19 story where the seven sons of Siva went and tried to cast the devil out of that one guy and said, we adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out of it. Remember what the devil answered? Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? The implication was if they had known who they were, like Paul knew who he, who he was and has given us record in the scripture so that we can know what he knew, they could have stopped the devil in his tracks. just because we're here because the greater one lives on the inside of us because we've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus one of the first things that God requires of us when we come into his family is to renew our minds to the word of God that means to find out from God's word who we are in Christ and what he's purchased for us through his sacrifice thanks for watching today Come visit us at Foothill Family Church.
This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. That means everything that we ever need, every good thing is available to us simply by believing and acting on and speaking God's word. And that's true for every one of us. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.